0: We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, April 6th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film Editor and Chief Film Critic, Chris Evangelista.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: All right, Chris, let's get into the episode today. Uh, what I've been reading, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X because I had been wanting to see Spike Lee's movie, Malcolm X, from the early 90s for a long time, and I wanted to read the book first. I'd heard it was a great book, and it certainly is. It's. Um, I guess I'll just go ahead and, and jump right into talking about the movie because uh, the movie is such a close uh, adaptation of the book that it, it's like actually one of the, the closest adaptations, most faithful adaptations I've ever of anything that I've ever seen. Um, the movie is very, very long. It's three hours and 21, uh, 21 minutes, um, which is probably why it's taken me so long to get around to, to watching it. But uh, man, I, I was just very incredibly impressed with um, both the book and several aspects. And then the movie really bowled me over. I thought, uh, Spike Lee did a, did a tremendous job here. There's like a lot of ground to cover in, in the story of Malcolm X, but it opens with this incredible, like, um, you know, wartime era, uh, like zoot suit, you know, um, New York city type of, uh, vibe where, he, uh, the Malcolm X character and a character played by Spike Lee himself are just like, you know, dressed in these, um, provocative outfits and and going around and doing these like incredible dances. I think they're called Lindy hops in the book. Um, and the, you know, the camera is just like swooping around everywhere. It reminds me of like the the stuff that you see in, um, like back to the future, the, the, uh, you know, fifties, uh, dance kind of thing when Marty McFly is, is playing his guitar, there's, there's like just the, the way the camera moves in that scene is incredible. And then it, it obviously transitions into like the more, um, uh, religious and like activist period of Malcolm X's life, and the the styles uh, as the uh, as his life progresses, the, the the movie really does a great job in in sort of keeping up with that and um, depicting it in like a super super interesting way. So um, I know that we before we were recording, Chris, you said that you've seen this movie. What what are you um, what are your thoughts about the Malcolm X adaptation?
1: Uh, I think it's phenomenal. It's, I think it's like one of the best. Movies ever made. Honestly, it's one of my favorite Spike Lee movies. It's just a phenomenal. Denzel Washington is just incredible. uh and He's just so. He, I mean, that's nothing new. Everyone knows Denzel Washington roles but he's 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 really great here. And you know, even at that long runtime, I feel like this thing flies by just because I'm I'm so like wrapped up in this, this sort of epic storytelling. It's like a, it's a very epic uh, biopic, and yeah. Um, you know, it spans decades and uh, you know, I'll I'll admit, you know, I'm a I'm an idiot and I didn't really know much about Malcolm I you know I know who Malcolm X was, but I didn't know a whole lot and a lot about him uh, until I saw this film. And I, I you know, I also feel like part of that is because, you know, school systems, especially now, they're they're against teaching about this because yes. you know they they don't want to go into these things. They'd rather talk about uh, Christopher Columbus discovering America and <laughs> yes. shit like that. So, uh, you know, my, you know, my education, my, my high school education and my some college education did not go into this topic in great detail. So, uh, you know, it's great to watch the movie and, and get this insight into his life and who he was and what he did. And it's just a, just a great American movie. And, uh, yeah, I I I, uh, I I I highly recommend this, especially if you're uh looking for honestly if you're looking for like a where to start with Spike Lee, I would say start with Do the Right Thing and This. These are like his two, I think, some two like masterpieces, honestly. So uh yeah, yeah that's what I would go with.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um Malcolm X is streaming on HBO Max right now, if people want to check that out. Um I yeah, again, highly recommend and and you're absolutely right. I'm I grew up in the public school system and all that too, and, and went through that and did not learn nearly as much as I should have about, um, you know, what he stood for really, and what he believed in. And, and like, I feel like he was used for so long and maybe even still is as like a, a tool of fear by, um, a bunch of people. But when you really sort of drill down on the messages that he's trying to get across, um, they're like shockingly relevant and, and, um, very much like, you know, I think anybody who watches this in 2023 will find uh, some some through lines to you know what we're still experiencing now so um, yeah definitely an, an incredible uh, life story and a really really incredible adaptation. And I think this movie is just yeah really um, unbelievable I almost like I almost wish it it was a little longer in some ways like I, I almost wish it was a, a um, like a miniseries or something like that because there's just so much to, to dig into. Um, but Spike Lee did an unbelievable job there. And, and it's really like kind of a, um, if you're looking for reasons why the, uh, the Oscars should not be held up as like the end all be all the fact that, uh, Denzel Washington did not win best actor for playing Malcolm X in this performance is just like, you know, there there's reason number one right there. So. Um, okay. I also had a chance to check, uh, to catch up with John Wick chapter four. I know you talked about that last time we, uh, we spoke on this podcast, Chris, and, um, I'm not going to get into like the the nitty gritty of this movie. I'll just say that the experience I had with this movie was I respected the hell out of it. It's obviously a movie that looks incredibly difficult to make and sort of like punishing on its crew. (laughs) Um, there are scenes where people are just hurling themselves down escalators and stairs that just absolutely seem incredibly brutal to the, to the human body. And you really feel that and, and feel that sort of tactile nature in a way that you definitely do not in a lot of modern day action franchises. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the sacrifices that went into making this movie. Um, there are some unbelievable scenes in this thing that I've, you know, showing me things that I've never really seen before, that that sort of uh, over the top um, shot where he's firing that uh, shotgun that blasts fire. is just like, <laughs> yes. uh, really, um, I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's just a kick-ass action movie scene. Fire um, bullets. Yeah, really a- amazing. So the thing about the martial arts in the John Wick movies, though, is I've seen so many martial arts movies. I grew up watching, um, you know, Tony Ja movies and, and uh, Jackie Chan stuff and like all, all sorts of um, martial arts movies. So I've seen a lot of hand-to-hand combat scenes before. And the John Wick movies, um, I'll put it like this. So there are probably, let's just say, uh, a thousand um, action moves in this movie, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm talking about like uh, a punch and then a kick into a spin into another kick or whatever. Like, you know, let's just round, make it easy and for the math and just say there's a thousand moves in this because there are a ton of fights spread out over the course of the movie, some more entertaining than others. There are certain moments where characters do things with their bodies or, you know, um, deliver moves or whatever that I've never seen before that my jaw drops. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And I get that sort of jolt of adrenaline of seeing something that I've never seen. And it's, it's this amazing moment. The problem with the John Wick movies, I think is that there are so many action scenes there's too much action almost in these movies too much hand to hand stuff because it starts to feel repetitive and and samey after a while and of those 1000 moves let's say there were probably only when you break it down i don't know maybe 10 or 15 or something that i've never seen before and those moments that really stand out and and sort of um make me point at the screen and go, holy shit. Uh, so that's a, that ratio is um. Th- there's a huge disparity in that, in, in the in-between space in that ratio, you know? So um, I guess just a long way of saying like, you know, some of this, some of this uh, stuff like wore me down. Like I enjoyed the experience overall, but um, in some ways I just feel like these, these martial arts sequences um, where John Wick is just fighting wave after wave after wave of guys. And, uh, it just starts to feel a little samey after a while. What I, I don't think that you raised that um, as a complaint last time we spoke, but does that resonate with you at all, Chris, or do you not mind because the the style of these movies is so incredible?
1: No, I, I definitely know what you're talking about. I also feel like it's the way it's edited because especially in this movie, I noticed that they're trying very hard to make these fight scenes always in in wide shot because they want you to see everything. And I appreciate that. I, I do appreciate that because a lot of modern action movies, they cut around a lot to the point where it's like, I, I can't figure out what the hell is even going on. So I do mm-hmm. appreciate that they're trying to make it like everything is up on the screen, but I feel like in doing so, they're limiting themselves because, you know, cutting can make an action scene seem even more, Intense. Like, uh, have you ever seen The Night Comes For Us? It's a Netflix movie.
0: You know, I watched, I think, the first, like, probably 30 minutes of that, and people were getting, um, I don't know, gored or something in in ways that I, uh, that even I had to be like, you know what? I think I'm just going to pass on this. It was, like, a little too much for me, the violence in that film.
1: Like, that movie, um, that's, like, one of the best action movies I've ever seen because the action is so, like, fast and furious in that. And it's achieved, you know, through clever editing that they don't use in these movies. And I'm not saying, you know, they have to be exactly like the night comes for us, but I have seen, I guess what I'm saying is I've seen better action movies. And at the same time, I think John Wick 4 is, is a great, it's a really great action movie. It's a big, epic, almost like mythical action movie. And I appreciate the world building and all that stuff, but I do actually find like the hand to hand fights to be like the least interesting, stuff in that movie i much mm-hmm. prefer and it's gonna make me sound like a gun nut which i am not but i much prefer you know the the gun stuff in these movies because that to me looks unlike any like gun work in any action movie i i've really seen before it's like very heightened and uh you know it's it's done in a way that i don't think real guns even work <laughs> where, right, right where they're like like they're pulling the trigger in such a fast way that it's like bullet on top of bullet and like there's a part of me, it's like, I don't think a gun works like that, but it doesn't matter because it's done in such this cool way. And it's it's almost like a conundrum because in real life, gun violence is horrifying and we need common sense gun control in this country. But at the same time, when I watch it in a movie, I'm like, that's fucking cool. It's like smoking. Like, I know smoking is bad for you and it gives you cancer and heart disease and all sort of stuff, but. When you're watching, especially like an old movie, and someone's smoking a cigarette, you're like, "That looks really cool." So it's <laughs> it's this sort of like weird disconnect. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's a that's more than you asked for with that answer. But that's, no, yeah, no, no, that's
0: <laughs> great, and and I feel the same way. And and I think the um, e- well, actually, even the gun stuff, uh, you know, there are only so many headshots you can do, and like the idea yeah. that these characters are wearing bulletproof suits has just like gotten so ridiculous and kind of like takes some of the um. This is a weird way to say it, but like takes some of the fun out of the the gun use because, yeah. like you're saying, it, it's depicting horrible things that I would never want to see in real life. But in a movie, there's that disconnect that you can sort of go on the yeah. ride, and, and it, it it operates in this world that doesn't feel quite real. So
1: it's um, also like almost like dangerous to like. Like, you can get shot a million times and you'll be fine. It's like, no, that's... Yeah. And I get it that he's got a, the bulletproof suit and he's always, like, covering his face like Dracula. And it's like... <laughs> yes. It got, to, it got to a point where I was like, all right, enough with the bulletproof suit. I know why they're doing it, but that was, like, an invention they made up for... I think it's the second... What's the one? Yeah, where the second movie where he goes to Italy and he sees the tailor.
0: Yep. The tailor's
1: mm-hmm. like, I made this bulletproof suit for you, but... I didn't assume that was like a hundred, like a suit of armor. That's how they kind of treat it in this movie, where like you can get shot at like close range a million times, and you're like, I'm fine because I have my bulletproof suit. So, (laughs) you know, and I get it, this isn't the real world. They can do what they want, but I do feel like they lean on that a little too much in this movie. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I like the, um, you know, we're talking about the hand to hand stuff. I like the like the introduction of nunchucks and things like that. Yeah. You know, like You And like the knife scene in John Wick 3, like when they, they can, um, you know, make the hand to hand stuff a little bit more interesting by introducing other weapons aside from guns. That's when I feel like these movies really uh, sort of go up a notch. But uh, anyway, just my my little uh, two cents on John Wick john wick chapter four i overall like i said I, I really enjoyed the film and i think i think it's like one of the most beautiful action movies i've ever seen the the production design is just incredible and like there are just um you know it really feels like they're chad stahelski the director and is really like going out of his way to make these movies as art-y as possible as artish, <laughs> as full of art as, as as he can and i really appreciate that and and you know there's so many action movies uh where everything is like dull and gray and boring yes, and like it's
1: <laughs> called the Marvel cinematic universe
0: <laughs> or, or even something like the gray man. Like there are yeah. scenes where, you know, it, the characters are supposed to be in like dynamic flashy locations. And yeah, maybe there's like um, a neon light thrown in every once in a while or something. But like overall the, the film just looks muddy and the uh John Wick movies do not look like that at all. They're very clear and crisp and like incredibly lit and the, Everything just feels um, heightened in a, in a wonderful way. And and so, yeah, I, there are so many like great gags and bits and um, scenes in this movie that uh, that uh, it's certainly worth seeing. But it's just, you know, how, how far are we going to go with this? I don't know. I guess the question is like, are there going to be more John Wick movies? We know there are going to be spinoffs and things like that. So maybe this is a, a question there a, a problem that um, the answer uh, has already presented itself and it doesn't even matter anymore because this franchise is sort of like, Uh, pivoting to in other directions or something but um i just wanted to raise it in case you know so i can look back you know after watching john wick 7 or something and be like oh yeah i've been thinking this for years about the uh the hand to hands. stuff what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Um, Okay, so uh, I also, the last movie that I wanted to mention is a film called Manhunt from 1941. It's directed by Fritz Lang. And this is a really, really fun movie. Um, It's on the Criterion channel right now, if you want to check that out. But it is about a big game hunter in 1939 who is crawling through, the opening scene is him like crawling through the forest and he has his like sniper rifle and gets that out and he looks through the scope and he sees Adolf Hitler through the other (laughs) end of of his scope. And he has basically like infiltrated the German, um, area where Hitler is. And he's, you know, very far away, 500 yards, a thousand yards or whatever away from where Hitler is in this sort of like what is supposed to be a really protected compound. And he sees Hitler through there and he pulls the trigger and there's nothing like nothing comes out of the gun. He basically just does it because he wants to see if he's good enough. Uh, you know, if he's good enough to, um, to, uh, chase down the world's biggest, um, prize, you know, for, for hunters, basically. So it's
1: kind of rude of this guy to not kill Hitler. I mean, well,
0: (laughs) yeah. So this is taking place in 1939. So he pulls the trigger once and nothing happens. And he sort of like gives Hitler a little, uh, Hitler does not see him. Obviously he's very far away, but he gives Hitler a little, uh, almost like a, a salute or something like a, well, I got you buddy. Uh, and then he like sits there for a second and he thinks about it and he actually puts a gun into, or puts a bullet into his gun and he's about to fire on him when a uh, Nazi soldier shows up and like alters the trajectory of the bullet at the last second. And so they capture this guy and uh, they, the Nazis question him, like, are you working for the British government? What's your deal? And he's like, no, I'm just a big game hunter. I'm just like, I was just trying to do it for the thrill of the hunt kind of thing. I wasn't actually planning on killing Hitler and they don't believe him. So they throw him off a cliff and try to make (laughs) it look like a suicide and he survives. And uh, they realize that he survives. And the whole movie is like this chase of the the Nazis trying to track this guy down as he is trying desperately to escape and get back to uh, London and, um, you know, sort of clear his name and and, uh, make sure that he tries to knock the Nazis off his trail. And it's a really, really fun chase movie. It feels like something that Hitchcock would have made. And uh, super stylish, lots of really cool shots. So there's, there's characters running through like um, subway tunnels and like somebody throws someone onto the, the rails and he gets electrocuted and uh, lots of fun uh, action and like very, um, you know, it's always fun when the Nazis are are depicted as villains in the movie. They're just like, it's so easy to root against. Um, and yeah, really, really great action. There's, there's a, a sequence where the, the main guy, or not a sequence, a, a subplot in the movie where the, the main guy, uh, basically like um, at the last second ducks into an apartment building and finds uh, this woman who was played by Joan Bennett and uh, like sort of um, loops her into the action and, and she becomes his sort of like protege in this uh, daring escape plot and all that. And the two of them form this relationship and are on the run together and all of that. So th- there's just a lot of uh, really cool stuff in this movie. Um, and it has an ending that I did not see coming. So I'll just, I'll, I'll put that out there uh, without really spoiling anything too much. But um, yeah, Manhunt from 1941. I would recommend checking it out if you're looking for just like a fun, uh, you know, uh, I guess wartime era movie it's like 105 minutes so um I feel like you would enjoy this one Chris if you're just like I mean this sounds
1: amazing I when I was not expecting when he looks through the scope he sees Hitler I was like wow (laughs) this is not exactly what I so this sounds amazing I'm gonna have to watch this
0: yeah uh what have you been watching recently
1: uh I watched Bo is Afraid uh which is out um where's my list I have this written down that is out on the 21st, but I got invited to a special screening of it. Uh, it was actually like a, an April Fool's screening. They sent out this invite and it was like, come see the director's cut of midsummer because that's from the same director, Ari Aster. And they were also like, Oh, and we'll have a sneak peek of Bo is afraid. And there was a part of me that was like, I bet they're going to pull a fast one and show Bo is afraid. And they did instead of uh, midsummer, they showed bow is afraid. So I'm glad I went. Um, and uh, the the social embargo is up on this, so let's pretend that's what this is, and I won't go into too much detail. The review embargo is up next week.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I, I really dug this. I do think it's going to be one of those movies where you're either going to be like, that was great, or that was the worst movie I've ever seen. It's It's, <laughs> wow. it's, it's definitely going to be a very polarizing, it's like a three-hour Freudian nightmare surreal thing. Um The the movie I can most connect it to is uh, *Synecdoche, New York*. Like if you've seen that, it's very—it's similar to that in tone, in that like weird, surreal, sort of set in the real world, but not tone. And uh, basically, Joaquin Phoenix is is Bo, and he is afraid, and he's 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 clearly got some issues, and he's trying to get back home to visit his mother, and along the way, he goes through. Uh, a series of unfortunate events. And I'll just stop there. I don't want to give away too much, but I really dug this. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is great in it, uh, which shouldn't be a surprise at this point. I honestly think he's one of our, uh, like the best actors working right now. And like I said, if you, uh, you're either going to be on the same page with this movie and it's weirdness, or you're just going to be like, why am I watching this? What is going on? Uh, I, I think I like it the least of, of Ari Aster's three movies so far, but I, I do I think it's just this big, bold swing, and I, I really dug it. So, but was afraid.
0: It seems like it's not a horror movie. Chris, is that right? It's,
1: it's not. It's more. It's definitely more of a comedy, but it's like a weird comedy. I mean, there's horror elements in it, but it's compared to his previous two movies, it's definitely not a horror movie. It's just a. It's a very dark comedy, is how I, I would put it.
0: Okay. Man, yeah, I'm so curious about this because it really seems like the the sort of um, blank check movie, I guess, to to use a, a familiar term for for Ari Aster, where like he did so well with his first two features, and now he's like got a twenty four behind him, and to the to the point where he can just be like, all right, let me do whatever I want here, and it seems yeah. like he's just sort of thrown everything at this movie that uh, it sounds like is such a. Um, just a a bizarre collection of stuff. Uh, It's it's,
1: it's like a movie that gets like a D cinema score and then you watch it and you're like, Oh, this is amazing. Cinema score is full of shit, but it's, it's that kind of movie.
0: Is it, is it a movie where, um, you feel like there are all sorts of like hidden messages and like metaphors and allegories and things like yes. that. Where like there is a, a reading of what this movie means that you can unlock if you approach it from the right angle.
1: Yeah. As weird as the movie is, I also think it's very straightforward in, in what it's trying to do. So it's not like when it's over, you're not going to be like, what just happened? You're you're going to be like, I understand if you're paying attention, you're going to understand mm-hmm. what's going, you know, if you're if you're checking your your damn phone the whole movie like the kids these days, you're not going to know what's <laughs> going on. But it's it's pretty apparent uh, especially like the last scene really underlines like what is going on here. But Uh, there's also like so many background sight gags. It's just kind of amazing that like, I I feel like I got to see it again, just to pick up all the sight gags. So yeah, you can
0: tell from the trailer, it's just like packed with visual information. The camera is like moving from side to side and there's like 15 things going on in the background that you can't even track it. You have to like go back and rewind the trailer. I can't even imagine like sitting in in the movie and trying to (laughs) catch all that stuff at once. But, um, yeah, awesome. Okay. So Bo's afraid that comes out later this month. And then what else have you been checking out?
1: I saw Tetris, which is – I think it's now streaming on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. And this is about uh, – it's not a movie adaptation of the game. Uh, it's <laughs> about – it's not even about the guy who invented the game, which you would think, oh, maybe that's what it's about. It's Instead, it it's about this guy who uh, – Tetris, if you don't know, was created in Russia. It was a Russian – it was this Russian programmer created it. And it eventually, you know, leaked to the whole world and became, you know, this popular thing. And Nintendo scooped it up and all this stuff. But what this is about is about the guy who worked to get the rights to Tetris, so that you know Nintendo and various companies could bring it to the world. And you might think that's probably a boring movie, but it, it's you know because he's dealing with Russia and all this stuff, and this is before. Uh, the Soviet union disbanded, you know, before the Berlin wall came down. So it's, you know, the Soviet union is still a thing. So it's almost like a spy movie where he's trying to get the rights to Tetris and he's butting up against, you know, communism. <laughs> but, uh, I, I found it really kind of dull. I, some people like it. Uh, we gave it, um, I didn't review it. Uh, but our review is, is very positive, but I found it very kind of lifeless and just kind of blah, so I would I would really not recommend this that much. It's you know I kind of, I like stories like this. I like you know like Moneyball and you know it's movies that are about the minutiae of things and about like you know how things come together. But I, I just did not care for this that much. It's it's, it's very skippable.
0: Okay, uh, what about uh, Taron Edgerton, who stars in the movie?
1: He's good. I I kind of like him in general. Uh, did you watch Blackbird? Which is I did. Movie? Yes. He's really good in that. Like I think it's like the best work he's ever done. Yeah. So, I know like I think I feel like he just has yet to find that film role that's going to prove how great he is. Even though he's been fu- he's been good in other movies. You know, he's good in Rocket Man and he's he's fine in those uh Kingsman movies, even though I don't like them. And he's good in this, but I feel like he has yet to have that like breakout role that makes him like even a bigger movie star. Like he doesn't feel like he's a household name yet. Maybe I'm wrong Mm -hmm. about that, but I, I do think he's a really good actor in search of a much better movie. And maybe one day he'll get that movie, but it's, it's yet to happen.
0: Yeah. In the meantime, I think both of us, it sounds like recommend that people go check out Blackbird, which is also on Apple TV Plus. And it's a, I feel like it's a show that really flew under the radar for a lot of people because, uh, I don't know, there's maybe just like too much coming out around the time that it came out, but it's a, yeah. it's a prison show, um, where he goes undercover and tries to learn some information from a, an inmate played by Paul, Wa- Paul Walter Hauser, who is also incredible in that, that series. Um, but uh, yeah really really interesting fascinating stuff we did some interviews for it on, on Slash Home. Yeah. so after you watch it go back and check out uh, those interviews in the archives there's some really fascinating stuff going on it's in,
1: based in on a, it's based on a true story and it's I looked at, I looked it up and it's actually pretty damn accurate for what really happened and also in this Liotta in one of his final roles and he's oh, so yeah. good in this like. Mm-hmm. Watching this like broke my heart because I was like, damn, Ray Liotta is so good in this and he's dead now. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he's just fun. He plays Taryn Edgerson's father and he's like this just sad guy who feels like a failure. And there's this like final shot of him where he just looks like he's about to cry in the show. And I was just like, "Ah, Ray Liotta come back to us. So Blackbird yeah. It's turned into me recommending Blackbird. Just watch that instead.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you, um, if you saw cocaine bear and you were kind of like, Oh man, I really wish that I, I watched more Ray Liotta stuff where he's better in it. Um, yeah. check out Blackbird. Cause yeah, that, that's the, that's the last image that you want to have of him. I think instead of, <laughs> instead of cocaine bear, yes. um, all right, what else have you been watching, Chris?
1: So I watched, uh, I'm not finished, I'm almost finished yet, but I watched The Night Agent, which is a new, very buzzy Netflix show. It's like their number one show lately. Uh, and this is a fun show. I would not call it a good show. It's, it's, it's very stupid. And... Um, but it moves in this very propulsive, like the very first scene is about the main character finding like a bomb on a train and he has to get rid of the bomb. And it, that's like it It drops you right into the action. And um, basically what it's about is there's this guy, uh, it's played by this actor named Gabriel Basso, who I have never seen before. Apparently he played... J.D. Vance, who is a piece of shit, in uh, the the movie version of Hillbilly Elegy, which is a piece of shit, and um, I, I, I you know, I, I'm not familiar with him, and he's kind of dull. He's like a block of wood a little bit, but he doesn't need to be any more than that. And he works in the White House in the basement because in the basement of the White House, there's this phone that never rings, but when it does ring, it's from um these super spies who are called night agents who are calling in. And they need help. And, of course, one day, one night, rather, because he works the night shift, uh, one night the phone rings and it's this woman who needs help because uh, her parent, her, uh, her aunt and uncle, who she is very close to, are secretly spies and they're in trouble. And he has to help her and and uh, save her. And then, he, like, while they're doing this, they uncover a big conspiracy that involves the White House and the FBI, and all this stuff, and it's a very, it's it's kind of like 24, I guess, is like what I could compare it to, but it's very propulsive, and it's it's one of those things where, like, you can, I hate this term, but you can turn your mind off, and watch it, and just be like, I don't need to think too much while watching it, it's not an intellectually challenging show, it's just a action series, and I can absolutely understand why this is a hit, because it's just done in this, such a fast-paced thing that, and the episodes are only like thirty five minutes long so that you're just like, well, I might as well just keep watching this. And, uh, so yeah, the night agent, I would recommend that if you're looking for very silly, very stupid action that is, uh, entertaining in a, in a silly sort of way, like don't, <laughs> you're not going to get anything like highbrow here. This is, this is very like, uh, cheesy entertainment and there's you know there's nothing wrong with that sometimes you you need cheese so yeah you know. <laughs> and i'm not talking the good i'm not talking brie here this is like out of a can cheese whiz cheese which is not good but you know if you're like drunk and you want some <laughs> some, some really crappy cheese that can't be beat so that's that's the kind no, of yeah, crappy cheese that's what this show is Fantastic.
0: I was just looking up uh, Gabriel Basso's IMDb and he was evidently he was in Super 8. I don't really remember him from that movie, but he's also in uh, this film called The Kings of Summer from 2013. Did you ever see
1: that? You remember that movie? I do remember. I don't think I if I did see it, it's like completely gone from my memory, but I do remember the title.
0: Yeah, I liked it uh, at the time. It was, um, I think, Jordan Vote roberts his his first movie, um, or his first feature, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, that's where, I guess, Gabriel G- Basso, people might recognize him from. And the the propulsiveness of the show, as you're describing it, Chris, makes a lot of sense to me because it, it's a Sean Ryan show. Yeah, um, I meant to
1: mention that, yeah. Are
0: you, are you familiar with his other stuff? Did you watch, like, The Shield? and and I
1: did um, watch The Shield. I really liked The Shield. I mean, I haven't revisited it, so maybe it doesn't hold up, but I remember when yeah. I watched The Shield... Especially like the final season, which is like insanely dark. I was just like, This rules. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a it's a violent, angry it's like the it's like the cheesy version of uh the wire, basically. It's very similar to the wire in that it's about this very specific, uh, you know, police unit, but Who's like totally
0: corrupt and doing illegal shit all the time. Yeah, they're
1: very, very corrupt. And, you know, unlike real police, who we all know have have never done anything. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I really liked The Shield. And uh, that's really what I know Sean Ryan from the most. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he also did uh, a show called The Chicago Code in 2011 that I really liked a lot that got canceled after like one season. And then he was uh, an EP on Terriers, which was another show. Oh, was, like,
1: Terriers rules. Yeah.
0: yeah, great stuff. So I'm glad to hear that Sean Ryan is, uh, is you know, uh, continuing his success. Hopefully this the popularity of the show will just like catapult him into doing something else that's a little bit better than... Um, weird cheese or whatever yeah. you ended up calling it bad cheese bad cheese yes okay all right i think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of the show you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode slash Film daily is published every weekday bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link right there in the show notes for you to do that. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at peter.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.